0: Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. This is my recording for the morning worship service of May 3rd, 2020. As we begin this time of worship, I invite you to read with me from Psalm 148, verses 1 through 14 psalm 148 starting at verse 1. praise the lord praise the lord from the heavens praise him in the heights praise him all his angels praise him all his hosts praise him sun and moon praise him all you shining stars praise him you highest heavens and you waters above the heavens. Let them praise the name of the Lord. For he commanded, and they were created, and he established them forever and ever. He gave a decree, and it shall not pass away. Praise the Lord. From the earth, you great sea creatures, and all depths, fire and hail, snow and mist, stormy wind fulfilling his word, mountains and all hills, fruit trees and all cedars, beasts and all livestock, creeping things and flying birds, kings of the earth and all peoples, princes and all rulers of the earth, young men, and maidens together, old men and children. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for his name alone is exalted. His majesty is above earth and heaven. He has raised up a horn for his people. Praise for all his saints, for the people of Israel who are near to him. praise the Lord. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Let us pray. Oh, Father, this is our heart and desire to give you all praise, glory and honor. Father, we praise you because you are holy. We praise you because you are just. We praise you because you are gracious and merciful. We praise You because You are Creator, You are the Sustainer, You are the Redeemer, You are our Savior. Father, we pray that You enable us to give You all thanks, praise, glory, and honor now and forevermore. In Christ's wonderful, glorious name, Amen. Amen. Well, I invite you to sing with me verse 3 and the refrain of the hymn, To God Be the Glory. Great things He has taught us, great things He has done, and great are rejoicing through Jesus the Son. But purer and higher and greater will be Our wonder, our transport, when Jesus we see. Praise the Lord! Praise the Lord! Let the earth hear His voice! Praise the Lord! Praise the Lord! Let the people rejoice! oh come to the father through jesus the son and give him the glory great things he has done what a beautiful truth that is give god all praise glory and honor for the great things he has done creator sustainer, redeemer, all-glorious, almighty God. Let us go into our time of prayer. Let us pray. Oh, Father, how wonderful and how true it is that you are high and lifted up. Your name is above every name. You are all-powerful, all-knowing, all-sovereign. Father, you are good. You are love. You are holy. You are perfect. Everything you will and desire, every purpose, every intention of your sovereign plan is perfect and holy. And good. You, O Lord, are separate from evil. You do no evil. You do no wrong. You are holy, holy, holy. How wonderful it is, how glorious it is, that you, are Heavenly Father, so loved us that you sent your Son, Jesus Christ, to live a perfect, obedient life, to die a sacrificial death, bearing the sins of your elect, satisfying your holy, just wrath that we deserve. Father, we thank you that your Son, Jesus Christ, is not dead, but he has been raised from the dead as evidence that he has paid our debt in full and satisfied your just holy wrath in full. Father, we thank you that you have sent your Holy Spirit to make us alive, to give us the gifts of faith and repentance. Father, we thank you that you have called us, you've called us by name, to be your children, adopted, through the power of the Spirit in your Son, Jesus Christ. Oh Father, you have given us all things. Apart from you, we have nothing and we are nothing. Father, we thank you. And Father, we do take this time to confess to you in our hearts and minds those sins of thought, word, and action over this last week we confess you that we have not loved you with all our heart all our mind all our soul and all our strength we have not loved our neighbor as ourself so we confess to you now O lord Father, we thank you that in your Son, Jesus Christ, for everyone who trusts and believes in Him as their Lord and Savior, you have pardoned us of our sins. You have made us clean. We have been washed in the blood of your Son, Jesus Christ. We are forgiven. Oh, Father, how good is the good news of salvation in your Son, Jesus Christ. Father, we do pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ throughout the world who face persecution and suffering, opposition, hostility, who face the hatred of this fallen rule. Father, we pray that you would strengthen them and guide them continue to grow them in the faith, guard them in the faith, that they would shine your light in the midst of the darkness. Father, we pray that you will help us to be bold as we humbly bow before you to stand firm in the faith, to stand firm in the one gospel of Jesus Christ crucified and risen, returning, King of kings and Lord of lords. Father, we do pray for those who are in positions of power and authority over us at the, our local Silverdale, Bremerton, Poulsbo area here on the peninsula to our state, to our nation. Father, we pray for peace. We pray for wisdom and guidance and understanding for all these leaders whom you have placed over us. Father, we do pray. We pray for our church. Father, we pray that you would continue to grow us in the faith, guard us in the faith. Father, we pray that you would continue to grow us in your Word with a hunger and desire through the power of your Spirit, to live more and more according to your Holy Spirit and less and less to our old, rebellious, fallen flesh. Father, we thank you that you have saved us by your grace alone, through Jesus Christ, penal substitutionary death alone, through our faith alone. Father, we thank you that you have saved us and you have made us alive so that now, that we have been justified by your grace alone. We can live for your glory. Help us, Lord, to trust and obey you as we give thanks and live lives of gratitude. Father, I pray for our elders and deacon that you would help us to strengthen and and, uh, come alongside our brothers and sisters in Christ here at Anchor of Hope. Father, I pray that you will help us to pick up our crosses and serve one another. Help us, Lord, to be united, striving side by side for your gospel. One heart, one faith, one mind, one Lord, one gospel. Father, we do pray that you will be with those who are in times of pain and suffering Help them, Lord, to know your healing, to know your peace, to know your presence, to know your joy, even in the midst of tremendous grief, pain, suffering, affliction. Father, we pray for those who are in a time of need, that they would know you as their great provider, that they would not be anxious, but put first your kingdom, knowing that you will always provide according to your purpose and your plan. And Father, we pray for the lost. Oh, Lord, we pray that you would make them alive. Help us, Lord, to be faithful in lifting up your gospel and speaking your word. Father, we thank you. It is because of your goodness and care to us For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. God is good. As we continued during this time of worship, I'd like to invite you to sing with me verse 4 of Be Thou My Vision. Mm. Riches I heed not, nor man's empty praise, Thou mine inheritance now and always. Thou and Thou only, first in my heart. High King of heaven, my treasure Thou art. It's always a blessing to be able to make a joyful noise to the Lord. Well, the passage of Scripture we're going to be looking at this morning, is Isaiah 48, verses 12 through 13. Isaiah 48, verses 12 through 13. I invite you to read those along with me. Listen to me, O Jacob, and Israel, whom I called. I am he, I am the first, and I am the last. My hand laid the foundation of the earth and my right hand spreads out the heavens. When I call to them, they stand forth together. Let us pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you that you have given us your word. You have revealed yourself to us. Father, we pray that you would lead us and guide us by the power of your Holy Spirit, that your Son, Jesus Christ, would be high and lifted up. Father, we are absolutely dependent on your Spirit for wisdom, discernment, and understanding. Help us in this time to better understand your breathed out, without error, all-authoritative and all-sufficient word. In Christ's wonderful name, amen. Amen. Well, again, as we continue through Isaiah 48, here again we see God making clear God has made a promise, as we already looked at in Isaiah 48, verses 10, verses 9, 10, and 11. God made a promise. And his promise is that for his sake, for the sake of his name, for the sake of his glory, he is going to restrain his just holy wrath and save refine, redeem, and elect people not only of Judah and Jerusalem, but of every tribe, nation, and language. And God will do this for His praise, His glory, His namesake, because only He can do it. We, in our sin, in our rebellion, we are conceived and born as Helpless, hopeless dross, under condemnation, under wrath, children of disobedience, deserving the eternal conscious torments of hell, where God will pour out his just holy wrath forever and ever and ever. Yet in Isaiah. Chapter 48, verses 9, 10, 11, God says he will redeem a people by his grace alone, his mercy alone. And he will do this in his son, Jesus Christ, alone. So as now we focus in on verses 12 through 13, we're going to again see where the immediate context is speaking of Cyrus, But the ultimate prophecy here is ultimately not fulfilled in Cyrus, though he fulfills it in the short term. But ultimately, verses 12 and 13 are not only about Cyrus, but ultimately about Jesus Christ. Remember, this is the truth of God's Word. All God's Word is pointing to Jesus Christ. So here we see in verses 12 through 13 where God again declares He will do what He has promised to do because He can do it. Only He can do it. And if God says something, it happens. We can trust Him completely. So again, as we look at this important passage of Scripture. We're just focusing in on verses 12 through 13. Isaiah 48, verses 12 through 13. Listen to me, O Jacob, and Israel, whom I called. I am he, I am the first, and I am the last. My hand laid the foundation of the earth, and my right hand spread out the heavens. When I call to them, they stand forth together. Now this is in the first place where God made clear that he is the first and the last. We see this earlier in Isaiah. If you look at Isaiah chapter 41, Verses 1 through 5, we see here where God speaks already in the prophecy of Isaiah of him being the first and the last, making clear that because he is the first and the last, he is the all-sovereign, all-powerful, all-knowing, omniscient, omnipresent Lord of hosts. So Isaiah 41, starting at verse 1. Again, just as we see in verse 12, our text, where God says, listen to me through his prophet. Here we see Isaiah 41, verse 1. Listen to me in silence, O coastlands. God is making clear that when he speaks, everyone, everything is to be quiet and to listen. Listen to me in silence, O coastlands. Let the peoples renew their strength, let them approach, let them speak, let us together draw near for judgment. Verse 2, and here we see where God earlier has already made clear that he will be raising up Cyrus to destroy the Babylonians to free his people from their Babylonian captivity. Just as before, he rose up the Babylonians to come and kill, steal, and destroy the people of Judah and Jerusalem and to take them into captivity. Verse 2, Who stirred up one from the east, here a reference to Cyrus, whom victory meets at every step. He, speaking, this is God speaking of himself, he gives up nations before him, speaking of Cyrus, so that he tramples kings underfoot. He makes them like dust with his sword, like driven stubble with his bow. He pursues them and passes on safely. My paths his feet have not trod. My paths his feet have not trod. Who has performed and done this, calling the generations from the beginning? Another way of saying verse four, who has performed and done this, calling the generations from the beginning, is saying, Who is the all-sovereign, all knowing, all powerful God who has decreed and willed everything that has happened? Who has performed and done this, calling the generations from the beginning? I the Lord, the first and the last, I am. He. There it is. There's the same statement as we see in verse 12 of Isaiah 48. I am He, I am the first, and I am the last. And here we see where that was first stated in Isaiah 41 in this book of prophecy. I the Lord, the first and with the last, I am He. We're going to see this theme woven from Isaiah all the way through Scripture, that God, to show that He is all-powerful, all-knowing, all-sovereign God, is the first and the last. God is the A to Z within our English alphabet. In the Greek, He is the Alpha and the Omega, which is a way of God of saying, there is nothing outside of His control. He is all-sovereign. So we can trust. We can have faith. We can have hope. We can have joy. And we can find peace in God because He can and He will do what He has promised. And for those whom He has called and saved in the Son, Jesus Christ, those whom He has placed His Holy Spirit in, we have full assurance that we will have eternal life with God, the great I am who I am, the Lord who is the first and the last. He can do it. Can we do it? No. Can God do it? Yes. So again, we see this in Isaiah 44, leading up to our passage in Isaiah 48. Again, we see this statement of God describing himself as the first and the last. Isaiah 44, verses 6 through 7. Thus says the Lord, Yahweh, thus says the I am who I am, Thus says the Lord, the King of Israel and His Redeemer. There's this title given to God that we've seen in Isaiah 48, that God will redeem, that He will make a people to be His own. The Lord of hosts, I am the first and I am the last. Besides me there is no God. And because God is the first and the last, God is the beginning and the end. God is eternal. That's another aspect about God. He is eternal. God has existed from eternity past to eternity future. There has never been a time where God did not exist and when he was not God. I am the first and I am the last. Besides me there is no God. Who is like me? Let him proclaim it. Let him declare and set it before me, since I appointed an ancient people. Let them declare what is to come and what will happen. Not only is the God all-sovereign and all-powerful, God is all-knowing. And that's what he's declaring here with this describing himself as the first and the last. Because of this truth, there is no idol, there is no false god who can know, who can declare, and who can decree anything outside of God's sovereign will and plan. The idols are worthless, they have no life, they have no knowledge. All the false gods of the world have no life, no power, and no knowledge. It is God alone who is the great first and the last. So we can see why and we can understand why in our passage of Isaiah 48 verse 12 when God is saying, listen, Jacob, Israel, after he has just promised to save a remnant from them, he's reassuring them. When God says, I am He, I am the first, and I am the last, this speaks of terrible judgment on those who would refuse to believe and trust because the great first and last, the great I am, the great Alpha and Omega will destroy them. But for those who have been called, who have been redeemed in Jesus Christ, through his crucifixion on the cross. For those in whom God places his spirit, the truth that God is the great I am, the great Alpha and Omega, the first and the last, is our greatest hope and security. Because that means God is all-powerful, all-knowing, and God is unchanging. His promises will stand. So this would make sense why we see where John, inspired by the Holy Spirit, and given the revelations in the book of Revelation, this would make sense why we see this title of God being the first and the last, Alpha and Omega, being used again and again. Because ultimately, the book of Revelation is about this one thing. Jesus Christ is victorious. Jesus Christ is victorious. Jesus wins. He wins the victory over sin through His death on the cross on behalf of those who would believe and trust in Him. When He takes our sin on Himself and bears the holy just wrath of God on Himself that we deserve, Jesus wins the victory over sin. Jesus wins the victory over death when he's raised from the dead and Jesus has won the victory over the devil because Jesus is King of kings and Lord of lords. So we can see why these titles of God being the first and last, Alpha and Omega, who is and who was and who is to come, are given not only to God the Father, but also to God the Son, Jesus Christ. So in Revelation 1, starting in verse 4, we see where John says, John, to the seven churches that are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come. This is another way of saying the first and the last. This is the eternal one. This is the all-knowing one, the all-powerful one. And from the seven spirits who are before his throne and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness. Right here in verse 4, we have the Trinity. We see grace to you and peace from God the Father, him who is and who was and who is to come and from the seven spirits who are before his throne, depicting the the perfection of the Holy Spirit, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of kings on earth, to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood. This is how we who are nothing but dross become silver jesus dies on our behalf and his righteousness is imputed to those whom he loves and who have faith in him through the power of the holy spirit and made us a kingdom of priests to his god and father to him be glory and dominion forever and ever amen behold he is coming with the clouds and every eye will see him even those who pierced him and all tribes of the earth will wail on account of him. Even so, amen. And here again we hear this declaration from God, I am the Alpha and the Omega. That would be the equivalent in the Greek of us in the English of God saying, I am the A to Z. I am everything. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. But what's so powerful about Revelation is here we see in chapter 1, verses 4 through 8, God the Father being referred to as the great I am the Alpha and the Omega who is and who was and is to come. But Revelation also states that Jesus Christ is the Alpha Omega, the first and the last. Here we see, and we have greater understanding of, the Godhead. We believe in the Trinity. One God and three persons. And here we see, The first and the last, the Alpha and Omega, is not only God the Father, but also God the Son. We see this in Revelation 1, verses 17 through 18. When I saw him, this is John speaking, I fell at his feet as though dead, but he laid his right hand on me, saying, Fear not, I am the first and the last. Now who is this? Is this referring to the Father as as we see being depicted? Well, the one who says that he is the first and the last here is Jesus Christ. But he laid his right hand on me saying, Fear not, I am the first and the last and the living one. I died. That's how we know that this I am the first and last is Jesus Christ. God the Father never died. God the Father never took on flesh. God the Father was never incarnate. God the Father was never crucified. God the Father never died. God the Father was never raised from the dead. Only God the eternally begotten Son was born of the Virgin Mary became incarnate, lived a perfect holy life on this earth, and in his flesh was crucified, died, buried, and raised on the third day. So here's how we can see in Revelation 1 that just as in Isaiah 48, 12, Here we see God speaking through his prophet Isaiah, Listen to me, O Jacob and Israel, whom I called. I am he, I am the first, and I am the last. This is not only a depiction of God the Father, but also of God the Son. Jesus Christ is being high and lifted up in this prophecy of verses 12 through 13. If you continue on, we see this again. This statement, I am the first and the last, being referred to as Jesus Christ, Revelation 2.8. And to the angel of the church in Smyrna write, the words of the first and the last, who died and came to life. So again, who is the first and the last? Jesus Christ, the eternally begotten Son of God. You see this again in Revelation 22. And this is a powerful passage because Revelation 22, verses 12 through 15, depict God in all his sovereignty and all his power, who will condemn the wicked and who will save the redeemed. God is a God who sends people to hell and saves people for heaven. Not based on anything in and of those people. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. No, as we saw again in Isaiah 48, verses nine to 11, God redeems a people for his namesake, for his praise, for his glory, because he alone can do it. So again, we have this depiction in Revelation 22, verses 12 through 15. Behold, I am coming soon, bringing my recompense with me to repay each one for what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes, so that they may have the right to the tree of life, and that they may enter the city by its gates. Depicting the new Zion, the new Jerusalem, that has been promised and prophesied about in Isaiah. This is at the return of Christ, when we have the new heaven a new earth, the new Jerusalem. But there is an outside. Verse 15, outside. That means outside of the saving, gracious, merciful, loving presence of God. Outside of the new Jerusalem, the new Zion. Outside are the dogs, the sorcerers, the sexually immoral and murderers, and idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. Why is Jesus depicted in Revelation as the ultimate fulfillment of Isaiah 48, verse 12? I am He, I am the first, and I am the last. Because Jesus is the firstborn of the dead. Again, as Revelation 1 makes clear, verse 4. And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead. Firstborn of the dead. This is speaking of Jesus' substitutionary atonement and making the elect alive in himself. Ultimately, this is what Revelation 17 declares. They make war on the Lamb. The Lamb here is referring to Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. They will make war on the Lamb, and the Lamb will conquer them. For he is Lord of lords and King of kings. And those with him are called and chosen and faithful. Now here it is, we see how it is that Jacob and Israel how it is that the elect of every tribe nation language and people how it is that you and I how it is that any of us who are truly saved and alive in Jesus Christ how it is that we are chosen remember this is what isaiah 48:12 says listen to me o jacob and israel whom i called. Whom I called. This word called is the same as, as elected, called, chosen, selected. Whom I called. Whom I elected for salvation is what's being depicted here. How it is that we who were dead in our trespasses and sins can be called? By being called, elected, chosen in Jesus Christ, who is the first and the last, the firstborn of many brethren, who is Almighty God, the eternally begotten Son. That's why we see again in Revelation 17 that the Lamb conquers. And who is with the Lamb? Those who are called and chosen and faithful. So not only in Isaiah 48:12 do we see God reminding that He is the great first and the last, but also He's explaining that we are called in the great first and the last. Who is Jesus Christ? The Son. Again, we see this made clear in Romans 8. Romans 8, verses 28 through 30. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined. Here it's speaking of the calling, electing, saving work of God the Father. For those whom he, the he here is God the Father, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined. Remember, foreknew is those whom he placed His intimate, saving love on, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son. There it is, the image of His Son, Jesus Christ, the firstborn of many brethren. For those whom He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son, in order that He might be the firstborn, among many brothers. And those whom He predestined, He also called. And those whom He called, He also justified. And those whom He justified, He also glorified. What a verse! Romans 8 verses 28 through 30 make clear we can have full assurance of the perseverance of the saints Because we have been called, we have been elected, we have been chosen in Jesus Christ, who is the first and the last, the firstborn of many brothers. So we see ultimately in Isaiah 48, verse 12, God the Father is not only describing himself as the Alpha and Omega, the one who is, the one who was, and the one who is to come. But we also see Jesus Christ being lifted up as the first and the last, as the one in whom all who will be saved is called in. Well, not only do we see Jesus Christ and salvation in him, and security and assurance in him, depicted in verse 12. But we also see not only God the Father, but also God the Son, depicted in verse 13. Here in verse 13, we see where it's declared, where God is speaking through his prophet Isaiah saying, "'My hand laid the foundation of the earth, "'and my right hand spread out the heavens. When I call to them, they stand forth together. Now again, this is a powerful statement that gives us peace and comfort and assurance. Because God here is making clear that when He created, when He spoke everything into existence, as is made clear in Genesis chapter 1, when God speaks, it happens and it happens according to his will and his purpose so ultimately we're going to look at some passages of scripture that show that not only does verse 13 depict god the father but it also depicts god the eternally begotten son so again if we come to isaiah 40 this is the The earlier section of Isaiah where God is depicting his hand, creating everything, displaying His how all-powerful he is and how high and greater and above all of creation is he because he is the creator. Isaiah 40, starting at verses 12. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand? and marked off the heavens with a span i love that depiction god is so great and powerful you think of all the heavens all the galaxies all the immensity of space and it's so small so insignificant in comparison to god that just with the span of his hands he just he just He just measures it, just like that. Just like that. That's how high and greater, all-powerful, all-knowing, almighty is God compared to His creation. And this is very important to remember because there are times where it seems like there are people or there are things within this creative order that it seems like they are all powerful. Whether it be a ruthless dictator or an overwhelming pandemic, there are times where it seems like these things are more powerful than anything else. But again, we hear, see here where God is making clear Even all the heavens is but a span from the tip of his thumb to the tip of his pinky finger. God is greater. God is higher. God is all-powerful. Enclose the dust of the earth in a measure and weigh the mountains and scales and hills in a balance. Isaiah 40, verse 13. Who has measured the spirit of the Lord? Or what man shows him his counsel? God is making very clear. He is God, and we are not. He is God, and nothing of the creation is God. Verse 25. To whom then will you compare me, that I should be like him? Says the Holy One lift up your eyes on high and see who created these he who brings out their host by number calling them all by name by the greatness of his might and because he is strong in power not one is missing what a beautiful image this is if you were to go somewhere where there is no light pollution and look up into a clear moonless, cloudless sky, to see all the expanse of the Milky Way and all the heavenly bodies spread out throughout the immensity of the sky. And God says, I created every one of those. I called them by name. I have them so under my sovereign care that not one of them is missing. This would be like when Jesus says how God has every hair in our head numbered. He has that all-sovereign, all-knowing, all-powerful care over all of His creation. If you look at a parallel statement to this one, you look at Psalm 147, we see where it speaks of God as He determines the number of the stars. He gives to all of them their names. Great is our Lord and abundant in power. His understanding is beyond measure. Oh, that's the truth. This is important. This is a vital importance for our everyday. We are called as God's people to live lives of gratitude and thanksgiving, to put first God's kingdom, to be anxious and about nothing. To worry about nothing. Because God is our great Lord. God is abundant in power and His understanding is beyond measure. That's why we can be grateful and rejoice in God in times of wonderful happiness and pleasure. And we can be thankful and rejoice in God in tremendous pain and suffering, affliction. Again, this is stated in Psalm 33. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of Him. For He spoke and it came to be. He commanded and it stood firm. Again, the all-powerful, all-knowing God, all-sovereign, He speaks, and it happens according to His plan and purpose. Psalm 148. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for He commanded and they were created, and He established them forever and ever. He gave a decree, and it shall not pass away. You can see how... This is so foundational for so many of the psalms. This is where the psalmists get their hope and comfort and strength is that God, who is the great I am who I am, that God, who is the first and the last, is the one who has laid the foundation of the earth, whose right hand spread out the heavens, who has decreed all things, and they have happened according to his decree. This is our comfort, our strength, and our hope in God Almighty. Again, Psalm 119, starting at verse 90. Your faithfulness endures to all generations. You have established the earth, and it stands fast. By your appointment they stand this day. For all things are your servants. What a statement. This is how Paul in Romans 8 can say, God works all things for the good of those who are saved in the Son, Jesus Christ. And God works all things for his glory. How can Paul say that? Because he's inspired by the Holy Spirit the same Holy Spirit who inspired the psalmists, who inspired all the authors of Scripture, and to understand that by God's appointment, verse 91, by your appointment, they stand this day, for all things are your servants. Now we see where again and again, we see these depictions of God establishing the foundations of the earth and and spanning and creating and naming the heavens. But what's so powerful is not only do we see times where this is depicted as God the Father, we also see where it's depicted as God the eternally begotten Son, Jesus Christ. And this should make sense because whether you're reading Genesis chapter 1, or the Gospel of John, chapter 1, it's made clear that when God the Father creates, He creates through His spoken Word. And who is the Word in whom, by whom, and for whom all things have been made of heaven and earth, of all creation? The Word is Jesus Christ, the eternally begotten Son of God. So that's why we see in Hebrews 1 this powerful statement where we see God the Father speaking of His eternally begotten Son, God the Son, with the same words as we see depicted in Isaiah 48, verse 13. My hand laid the foundation of the earth and my right hand spread out the heavens. When I call them, they stand forth so we see this powerful reality with the author of Hebrews Hebrews chapter 1 but of the Son he says your throne O God see where Jesus Christ the Son is called God your throne O God is forever and ever the scepter of uprightness is the scepter of your kingdom You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore God, your God, so God the Father, your, the your being Jesus Christ, therefore God, your God, has anointed you with oil of gladness beyond your companions. And you, Lord, this is referring to Jesus Christ, and you, Lord, laid the foundation of the earth in the beginning, and the heavens are the work of your hands. This is almost a direct quote from Isaiah 48, verse 13. But we see when we look at this whole section of verse 10 through 12, this is quoting word for word from Psalm 102. Again, verse 10, And you, Lord, laid the foundation of the earth in the beginning, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, meaning the creation, but you remain. They will all wear out like a garment. Like a robe, you will roll them up. Like a garment, they will be changed. But you are the same, and your years will have no end. Ultimately, the author of Hebrews, is saying psalm 102 verses 25 through 27 are speaking of jesus christ the savior through whom by whom and for whom all things have been created that's the reality of of philippians that's the reality of colossians that's the reality of all of god's word lifting jesus christ up so again not only is isaiah 48 verse 12 lifting up and prophesying of jesus christ the first and the last in whom all of god's elect is called but it's also lifting up jesus christ who laid the foundation of the earth who calls all things and they stand according to his will and purpose. If you look earlier, you can see this promise in Isaiah 43, this beautiful promise. Isaiah 43, verse 1. But now thus says the Lord, He who created you, O Jacob, He who formed you, O Israel. You see, it's a parallel statement to our passage of Isaiah 48, verse 12. Fear not, I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. This is a beautiful depiction of election where God calls His people of all time, of every tribe, nation, language, and people, the remnant of all whom God has made, the elect. God calls each and every one of us who are saved by name, and He calls us not only by our name, the name that He has given us, He also calls all of us in the name of Jesus Christ. He calls us in Christ. And where we see this beautiful weaving together of Isaiah 48, verses 12 through 13, again, Listen to me, O Jacob and Israel, whom I called... In whom did God the Father elect the elect? I am He, I am the first, and I am the last, in Jesus Christ. My hand laid the foundation of the earth, and my right hand spread out the heavens. When I call to them, they stand forth together. So ultimately, the passage of scripture that weaves verses 12 and 13 of Isaiah 48 together is 2 Timothy chapter 1 verses 9 through 10. Who saved us? Now the who refers back to verse 8 speaking of the power of God. Who saved us? And called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of His own purpose and grace, which He gave us in Christ Jesus. There it is. We have been called to a holy calling in the first in the last, Jesus Christ. And he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began. Yes, Jesus is the one who is and who was and who is to come. And which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. And during Jesus' incarnation and earthly ministry on this heaven and earth, before he was crucified, died, buried, raised again to new life, and before he ascended into heaven, we see many instances where Isaiah, chapter 48, verses 12 and 13, were displayed and proclaimed by Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ shows what it means to be called by the first and the last, by I, Almighty God. Jesus Christ shows what it is to be called and to stand forth. We see this when Jesus called Lazarus, who was dead and buried in the tomb. A depiction of all of us in our sins and debts and trespasses. And Jesus makes clear that he is the resurrection and life. And Jesus comes before the tomb and he says, Roll the stone away. And Jesus says, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus, who was dead, is made alive and comes and stands forth for all to see. Now, this is a beautiful statement because it's an amazing thing how gracious and merciful God is. It is an amazing thing that God is a God of steadfast love and slow to anger. Because as we've seen throughout the scriptures, when God said to a star, be here, it was there. God says to the waves, you will come only this far unto the beach and no further. God directs every molecule, every atom, every smallest aspect to the greatest, most immense parts of creation God sovereignly created them, He sustains them, and He directs them in every way. And you and I have been conceived and born in the sin, in rebellion, and in resistance to God, until according to God's plan and purpose to all of us who have been saved God makes us alive he causes us to be saved he says you will resist no longer and you will believe in me you will repent you will humble yourself You will die to yourself and be made alive by the power of my Holy Spirit. And when God does this, He is doing that through His sovereignty, and we are given new hearts and new minds so that we can will and desire God because we have been made alive to do that. This ultimately is the good news that we find in Ephesians 2 and 1 Peter 1. Again, Ephesians 2, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God. Not our own doing. Before we were saved, we were in rebellious, disobedient, hatred of God. Until God called us, when I called to them, just as when God called to the heavens and called to the seas and spoke things to happen and happened, God calls to us and our sin and He says, You are alive. And we stand forth before Him like Lazarus out of the tomb. We go from being spiritual, stinking, rotting corpses to standing firm in the faith through the power of the Spirit, being transformed in the likeness of Jesus Christ, the first and the last, the firstborn of many brothers. The same God who said, let there be light, and there was light, The same God who said, who divided the land from the sea. The same God who made the sun, moon, and stars. The same God who made Adam from the dust of the ground. The same God who made Eve from a rib from Adam's side. Is the same God who calls us by name and makes us alive in His Son, Jesus Christ. First Peter 1, verses 3 and 5. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He has caused us, He has decreed, He has called us by name, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. So we can see clearly, it is only the God, the Almighty, All Sovereign, All Holy, Just, Gracious and merciful God, depicted in verses 12 and through 13, that this God is the only God who can truly save. There is no other God. There is no other way. Jesus Christ made clear when he said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one gets to the Father except through me. And God so loved us that He sent His Son, the first and the last. He sent His Son, the one through whom and for whom everything was made, to die so that we could live. What a God we serve. Let us pray. Oh, Father, how amazing it is to consider again in the Scriptures that you are all-powerful, all-knowing, all-sovereign, that you are eternal and unchanging. Father, we thank you that our assurance, our peace on our hope is not in our ability, It's not in our righteousness or our strength. We have no ability. We have no righteousness of our own, and we have no strength of our own. But our assurance and our peace and our hope is in you, in your Son, Jesus Christ, and in the power of the Holy Spirit. So, Father, we pray that you will just remind us, you are our everything how great and mighty you are. In Christ's wonderful name, Amen. Amen. Well, this time I invite you to sing with me verse 3 of When I Survey, The Wondrous Cross. See from his head his hands, his feet. Sorrow and love flow mingle down. Did such love and sorrow meet? Or thorns compose, so reach a crown. Let's receive the benediction. No. God the Father, the great I am, the Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. No. Jesus Christ, as the great first and last, as the firstborn of many brothers, as the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Know the power of the Holy Spirit, who has enabled you to have ears to hear, eyes to see, minds to understand and new hearts to believe and respond to the call of god in christ's name amen i invite you to sing with me the doxology praise god from whom all blessings flow Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above, ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. Go in peace.